you know, there's a whole crowd and they're not in the same field I am. We don't talk about things from a technical nature, but what we, but what we do is like when we have brunches or hang out or when I get to just meet with them one-on-one -on -one is I always leave those things, all, all of these kind of social activities wanting to come home and work. I always want to come home and work and do more. And I think that's when you have a really successful social, not, not necessarily just work on your job, but I want to work on myself. I'm like, I need to go and read that book. I need to go and get to the gym right now. I need to go and think more about my investments or, you know, think about creating an LLC or whatever it is that they're thinking about and doing. There's a sense of they're always pushing themselves and growing. And I actually think the people who are closest to you are the most critical decisions you'll make. The people in your life are the most important things because they're going to mold who you are and where you grow and who you become. This is episode 10 with Karen Sinha. Karen is the founder and CEO of a Silicon Valley tech company, Illumix Official. They have raised over $12 million from top venture capitalists to build out mixed reality tech and games. Karen has degrees in computer science, electrical engineering, and math from MIT, Stanford, University of Cambridge, and the London School of Economics. Her focus is on artificial intelligence and machine learning, specifically in computer vision. Karen uses her platform and social media to share lessons learned along her journey as a founder. In building a company from the ground up, breaking out as a woman in tech, the ups and downs, and trying to find balance in it all. Through sharing her learnings, she hopes to empower her community in doing the same. Our recording starts now. I've already introduced yourself with your official bio, but I always open trying to kind of fill in the blanks and color in the person a little bit more. So I was wondering if you'd um, want to share just like a catchy sentence or um, yeah, something about yourself that maybe people don't know. A catchy sentence? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's catchy or anything. I feel like I mean, if I had to name like a phrase in general that I feel like I've always looked by, it's just been like kind of doing my own thing, right? Um, and that's manifested, I think, in a lot of different ways uh, and different happiness levels. If we're talking about mental health associated with that, I know when I was younger, that was not something that made me happy. And as I become older, it's something that brings me a huge amount of joy. Um, and so I think I've always been a little bit odd one out uh, in some ways. I've always been doing my own thing. I think personality-wise, I, I, I almost don't know. I think a lot of it is making it happen, right? I, I'm a firm believer that people don't hand you things you want or things don't just lay in front of you magically. If it does, then that is super lucky for you and congrats. But for the most part, I think so many people go through life doing what they're supposed to do or waiting for you know the right opportunity or only applying to things that exist when I think the best experiences and the most growing experiences and the happiest ones for me have been the ones where I've gone out of my way and just made it happen on my own. And I love that. That's, yes. that's always been the theme for me. Is No, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the next question I had was your specific STEM interest and how your combination of schools has helped you kind of um, manifest the change that you want to make in your specific industry with that interest? Sure. Um, so I started out 
as a super math nerd. I loved it. I was totally convinced I was going to be a math professor for a vast majority of my life. That was my goal when I went into MIT for undergrad. Uh, when I was there, because so much of the culture was around building things, hacking things, making things, and pure math is not like that. It's much more about thinking and it's, you know, highly intellectual. And it wasn't that same culture that I saw so many of my peers engaging in. And I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted, MIT is so known for that. I wanted to give myself that opportunity. So I started in, you know, first I was focused more on physics and then EE, and then it became CS and kind of an intersection of a lot of the things I was working on was artificial intelligence. And that's what I ended up focusing on as I went forward into my other graduate schools. I think I actually feel very lucky I know uh, to have been to so many different universities because I think the method of teaching is so different and the value of the education has been different. Like, I don't really view MIT as ever having been about learning facts or just like, you know, learning coursework. It was really for me about the culture and the people and learning, like the, the really the process that the school puts you through when you're there of kind of breaking you down and making you a whole different person and a whole different problem solver. That is what I really got from MIT. And it encouraged you to do your own thing and be weird. And, you know, 80% of the undergrad body does research, but it really encouraged you to go out, create a thesis, create a passion and just do it, right? That was, it instilled that as a positive thing for me. And I think as I went into education in the UK, it was very different. It was very memorization. It was very much focused on a single way of doing things. Um, and so that was very different, but I think created a certain level of independence and discipline that was different than what I experienced at MIT. And by the time I got to Stanford, you know, I think that was uh, from a wellness perspective. It was much more about balance than, than either of the previous two schools. Like Stanford cared about students in a way that I had never experienced before, where they clearly wanted you to have a community and a culture and they wanted you to feel like have some level of balance. And I think that was the first time I had experienced that in school. MIT did not give a shit. And the other schools, it was just, you know, your, grad, your math grad student or CS grad student, you're kind of, the stereotypes were a tiny bit true where you were really alone and thinking and, and gaining that, that sense of who you were as a student. Um, but Stanford was, I was very happy there. I think you find a cohort and it's not trying to overwhelm you. And I think the impression I got is they're not running a straight maximization function, which is what MIT does. They want, it's a straight maximization function. They want to have the best person at everything. And that's what the school function basically does. Whereas I think Stanford is more maximizing the mean. They want everyone to rise and succeed. And so, so it's a very different educational philosophy. Yeah, I love the um, math analogies. And I think that all the um, all the engineers and all the STEM folks joining on will really appreciate that. So I absolutely loved how you shared that um, your kind of tagline or that that sentence is, you know, not fitting in a box, um, doing your own thing. And so I wanted to jump straight into the topics at hand. And the first one being building community as an entrepreneur when you might be the only one um, in your circle doing certain things or amongst um, a large group of people. And you have to uh, not only build, you know, community, but also figure out who your friends really are, who you're going to rely on, who you're going to talk to. Um, and so the specific quote I loved um, from one of one of your many incredible posts was, I break all the rules. I've never fit 
in well within any boxes. And so, you know, given this, I was curious, what does your closest circle look like? And how many other friends of yours are entrepreneurs? You know, my closest circle, it, it, it's all over the map, but I think they all are incredibly passionate about doing what they're doing. And they're they all have side hustles. Like they're not like, you know, I have friends that are physicians or um, an MD, PhD, or someone who is working in AI for the Department of Defense or BMW or, you, you know, there's a whole crowd and they're not in the same field I am. We don't talk about things from a technical nature, but what we, but what we do is like when we have brunches or hang out or when I get to just meet with them one-on-one -on -one is I always leave those things, all, all of these kind of social activities, wanting to come home and work. I always want to come home and work and do more. And I think that's when you have a really successful social, not, not necessarily just work on your job, but I want to work on myself. I'm like, I need to go and read that book. I need to go and get to the gym right now. I need to go and think more about my investments or, you know, think about creating an LLC or whatever it is that they're thinking about and doing, there's a sense of they're always pushing themselves and growing. And I actually think the people who are closest to you are the most critical decisions you'll make. The people in your life are the most important things because they're going to mold who you are and where you grow and who you become. And so I would encourage people in general, I see this with mentorship a lot. People look too narrowly, right? There's this sense that you know, especially as a woman in STEM, right? Uh, that I need to find another woman in STEM to be a mentor for me. And I don't think that's 100% true. It's wonderful if you can, if you find someone who connects with you, but I think you actually have to look much more broadly. I think you need to look at, there are plenty of people from different backgrounds, different races, ethnicities, et cetera, who have had similar experiences to what you might be going through in different ways. And so I think opening your eyes to actually what you're trying to connect on, whether that's industry expertise or how to shift industries or how to build a new technology or anything, that's actually something that's very universal. And so I would encourage people to strip out the top layer of I'm looking for other entrepreneurs in my friend circle, or I'm looking for a mentor that looks and has had similar experiences to me and actually look underneath that and say, what am I trying to gain out of this? And Absolutely. So, yeah. So connecting with the essence of the person instead of like what they look like on the outside or their job title. Yeah. I it, love that. It, it's, you see this, I think you see this, all, I see this all the time in different types of, different types of relationships, right? People look at top layer and I think you have to ask, it's like the five whys of like, why do I care about this? Well, I want to find someone who has had to deal with an obstacle. Well, why does that matter? And like, when you dig in on that, I think you actually find the better people for you to work with. Can you actually elaborate on the five whys for anyone listening right now? Yeah, sure. So I think it, um, I think I, I think this was an engineering thing, if I'm correct about that, but I've applied it all over my life, which is if you really want to get to the root of a problem, you have to say why five times. So you might say, you know, this product or this, uh, this piece of code is not working or something top level or you say, well, why is it not working? Oh, well, customers, don't like using it. Why is that? Well, this button is hard to deal to deal with or something. Well, why do we have it that way? And you just keep digging in until you actually get to the root of the problem. And I think, you know, it's a really powerful tool when you're dealing with product or engineering, but it's a powerful tool in general with business decisions. You see this all the time of 
people trying to solve for the top, the immediate thing, instead of thinking deeply about what are the actual implications and the roots, how do you build something sustainable? And I think the five whys can be really valuable and kind of what I was saying here is I think you can apply it to your personal life a little bit of like, yeah. why are you friends with this person? Why does this make sense for you in your life? Why does that quality, you know, why are you friends with this person? They have X quality. Why does that quality matter to you? Right? Like and digging in, I think a little bit on that helps call who your circle is and should be and who perhaps shouldn't be. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love how it's, again, applying like an engineering or STEM mindset, um, which is like, pretty much like the community here to some of the personal problems that you're solving so that you can, again, be a better entrepreneur, engineer, whatever, you know, whatever you are. And so besides that, I was curious, what are your tips for maintaining healthy friendships that make you feel like you're growing in that direction um, and fit that like, um, shoot, what's her name? Whitney Heard aesthetic? The Whitney, yeah. Um, tip for maintaining those. Beyond just the five whys. I mean, I, I think that the five whys helps determine who your circle is and should be a little bit um, because it's very easy for like to get overwhelmed with a huge number of friends or feel like you don't have enough people and understanding who you want to spend time with, I think is such an important part of your mental health and your ultimately your personal growth. Um, in terms of maintaining that, I think it's just, you have to, care about the person, right? Like it's not, like relationships aren't transactional, whether that's in friendships or in business. I think that if you actually treat everyone as a human, it's so easy to be seen for what you do or some specific, you know, activity you guys connect on. But I think if you actually, and I try to do this in business as well, really understand and get to know someone. I think when you actually just care, right? I think caring is actually like just the bottom line of everything, whether it's the relationships you have in your personal life, professional life, or even just the products you're working on or the work you're doing, right? You don't really feel burnout when you just really care about what you're doing. It's, yeah. it's the easiest life hack is if you really care about the things you're spending energy on, it's actually energy positive, not energy negative. And there's like a flow or a sense of ease to that, even if it might feel grueling or look grueling to someone on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I get this work all the time where people think I must be exhausted, but I work because it energizes me, right? Um, you know, really with friendships and relationships, they're there to support me during the good and the bad. And I'm there during the good and the bad. And I'm not drained when they're having a bad time because I care about, like, I want to do that, right? I want to give back to them. I want to support them in every single way. And I think it's, don't do stuff because you think you should do it or because it's, the, you know, if you don't really feel it, I think when you have that alignment, life becomes a much happier, just easier place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so kind of transitioning to the second topic, which was overcoming bullying, which is something that you had shared, I believe, on stories briefly um, that I caught on to because of just my personal experiences and like not even understanding what the definition of bullying was. I think that was the hardest thing. Um, personally for me, I like didn't catch on to um, like negativity and, and label it as bullying, but now like reflecting, I was like, oh, that's what that was. Um, and so, you know, given all of this, I was curious, what have your past bullies taught you about navigating low moments in entrepreneurship? Oh, so much. Uh, yeah, I think, you almost, I'm almost at the point where I'm thankful for the bullies because 
at the time, I was so hurt by the things that were happening to me and I felt so isolated and I wanted out, right? I used to beg my mom to homeschool me, beg her to homeschool me so that I wouldn't have to deal with it um, on a daily basis. But it actually made me a more self-assured person. Like the way I reacted to the bullies was sort of screw you, I'm gonna do me. And one day you'll see, I had this kind of very My Fair Lady, uh, like just you wait kind of headspace of one day it'll be there. And the sort of ironic thing I think is as I've grown up and as I've actually you know accomplished more and, and lived out what I wanted to do, the things those bullies uh, like were making fun of me for and the things of like being different, being unique, those have been my biggest strengths. And the sense of security and self-assuredness and the, and the lack of needing validation from others actually has been what has enabled me to stick it through during the tough moments in entrepreneurship. And when you're at a point where you're genuinely, I think, happy with what you have around you and the people you have around you, I don't wish any of those people any harm. Like. I just don't care if any, like, I hope they're doing well. Like, it's fine. I, I no longer feel that sense of, oh, I'll get back at you or, you know, you, you let go of it because you actually realize, you know, Lord knows what was going on in their life to make them act like that. And it just doesn't matter because I ended up just fine and they probably contributed to that. So I think it's- No, yeah, I love that. I'm going to write that down later. <laughs> it's tough when you're going through it. It really is. But I think you you have to know- that at the end of the day, they're picking on you probably because you're special in some yeah. way. That's yeah. And I guess kind of in line with that, my next question was, have you overcome the hauntings of the past bullies in those difficult moments? So like after um, kind of being at that point where you can say just you wait, like kind of manifesting that life, um, how have you dealt with the hauntings or just remembering um, kind of like that journey, um, has there been anything helping you release that or, or feel lighter? It's an interesting question. Honestly, I feel like a little disassociated from it. Like I almost, obviously it happened to me and it stuck with me and it's formed who I am. But when I think back to those memories that were really difficult and maybe it's been a defense mechanism, it almost feels like a different person that went through that. And I think it's because it was a different person a little bit. It's not just a, you know, coping disassociative type of thing. It's the person I was that really cared and wanted to fit in and do that. That girl isn't there anymore. That's not who I am. I think, you know, the, the, the type of person that I, I really did, right? When I was younger, I really wanted to fit in. I wanted to have those friends. I wanted to be invited to the sleepovers or the school dances or whatever. And I just don't care anymore. I'm not that person because I know I'm happy living my own life and making my own choices. And I think the freedom and independence I have has been a huge amount of fuel for me. And so I think when I think back to that, I think a lot less about the bullies actually and a lot more about who I was and how much I've changed and how much I've grown. And so I think in general, when you're dealing with people who are judging you or making you feel bad about yourself, you're giving them a lot of power in that situation. And I think the most effective way to do it is to think about who you are in that situation and you know, maybe understanding why it's happening and that life will get better and things will work out in the end. But at the end of the day, the difference, like I said, the differences are the things to celebrate. So whatever it is they're, you know, hurting you about or getting on you about, 
that that is that is going to be your superpower and i think just remembering that and keeping that close and knowing that how you feel about those bullies will shift as you grow into yourself i think that's it's just a very kind of at peace feeling with it i love that and i feel like as you're kind of talking to me it's like you're talking to like the past version of yourself <laughs> That's how I kind of feel like how like I'm where you were trying to overcome it and like get through it. And everything you shared was so powerful because I really feel like future me, hopefully, <laughs> is talking to um, current or past me. Um, but I loved like everything you shared. And in terms of just the ESPN highlights, I feel like everyone listening will have so much to kind of like jot down or write down in their notebook if they like re-listen to this. So thank you so much for, um, yeah, being vulnerable and, and open and being super frank and, and being okay talking about this. Um, if you're okay, I would love to kind of tackle the last topic, which is staying grounded in your vision. And the way um, kind of our chat was set up was, you know, how do you build the right kind of community and let go of previous hauntings so that you can stay grounded in your vision? And um, I guess what I was curious about was, what have you learned about communicating your vision to others through your specific educational experiences and the exposure that that's given you? You mean communicating my vision for like the company? Things I'm doing yes and just like who who you are what you care about um, being unique and just being able to speak to that um, how has your specific combination of schooling and exposure kind of helped you do that in in a special unique way that like feels so good to you yeah sure so I think that in general schooling actually probably matters less other other than the people that you meet that you know become your cohort and, and shape who you are I think that's the most relevant part I think a lot of this is communication is hugely important in general, how you, but, but a lot of it is more than words. It's, it's, it's how you show up what people sense. There are all of these crazy studies that if you walk into a room before you say anything, people already feel like they know you in some way, like they can name adjectives. I actually did this crazy experiment once in a group of people where we walked in and we didn't know anyone. We walked around for five minutes and just looked at each other and then wrote down what we thought that person was like. And it was wildly accurate. And it's just, it was super weird, um, but people had, and it was very different how we felt about everyone. And so I think it's not so much about communicating in the words you say, or it's who you are. It's how you present. It's the energy that you're giving off and the comfort and authenticity you have with yourself. And so I think, again, a lot of the work externally starts internally, where it's, it's not just about figuring out what the right phrase is or what the right elevator pitch is, even though that stuff obviously has value. It's... It, when you're passionate and when you're excited or when you're happy or at peace, that comes off and people know it regardless of what you're saying. And ultimately having that be your grounding foundation changes the words and the way you're going to say it anyway. And so I think a lot of it is focused on, I try to spend a lot more time in general focused on what's real versus what's perceived and what I say. And, you know, like what I'm projecting is a lot less important to me than what I am. No, I love that. And I think that is so in alignment with what I'm trying to communicate here for like younger undergrads, like things I wish I knew or things I hope that they know is, can you focus on, you know, whether you're happy, like, yeah, like, can you watch your 4.0 happen while you're happy? Like, does it need, or do you need
um, and, you know, like the personal development work, if that comes first for engineers, like, I'm just so curious about the crazy problems that they're going to solve with that. Um, okay, I hope you didn't lose me. Okay, we're still here. <laughs> okay, so um, we have three minutes and I have two questions for you. Um, the first one being, can you tell me a little bit about your morning or night routine or both? And what helps you bounce back when you fall off track? Yeah, um, so I, I have very strict routines. I have very strict morning routines more than nighttime routines, although I've been trying to actually uh, get up on that more. Um, I've always been a very early riser. I'm very intense about that. I usually wake up between four to five um, and I have for decades now. Um, and so I wake up and typically I do a little bit of work. I find I'm most creative in the morning. And then by the time the light starts coming out is when I'll do my workout and then shower, get ready, you know, have breakfast and then get going officially with the day. But typically I have that kind of flow of creative work, workout, get ready, and then, you know, start, start the full day. Uh, in the evening, it's shifted a lot over time, but I think the main things, I, I, I actually journal morning and night as well. It's worth mentioning. I do journal morning and night, and I think that's a more relevant part of my nighttime routine because it's sort of centered around that and just turning off electronics, taking a moment to journal, taking a moment to, you know, meditate or pray or whatever it is that you do um, just to align yourself. And then um, I go to sleep. But sometimes there have been different moments in my life where I've been really good about audiobooks or meditations or reading and it just depends on I think what you're what you're feeling a little bit but I'm I'm pretty structured and routine in general uh it's your second question there are definitely a lot of times where I've fallen apart. even in the last year during COVID there have been moments where my routines have just gone gone away and I've been low motivation it's just been really difficult um, and that happens I think throughout everyone's life at different moments it's totally normal I try to, it, it's a balance between being kind to yourself of those things happen. You don't need to put incredible pressure to jump back on immediately to knowing when it's, when you need the kick in the butt and when you need to get back on it. I've always found that external factors, whether it's a work thing happening or, you know, you wake up and you feel a little bit better or you switch locations and those things actually are the, probably the most effective at, at, at actually shifting how I feel internally. I think those external environment factors can make a big difference. And then I think that's where, it, like, you know, that's where your friends are phenomenal, especially if they're people that you love and that, you know, ask, basically make you more interested in your own growth. When I've been really down and I've spent time with the people who I'm close with, they've been kind and they understand, but hearing about their life kind of is the kick in the butt I need sometimes. And it's what gets me back up and on the horse. And so I think, so again, it's, it's the people and the environments you surround yourself with make the greatest impact. Absolutely. And finally, um, my last question is, what does wellness mean to you as a multi-hyphenate entrepreneur, woman in STEM, everything that you are? I think wellness is really when your kind of purpose and your passion and what you actually do and feel. Ah, sorry. Did I lose you for a second? Yeah, just a, a tiny moment. We're back now. <laughs> Wellness is, is it's the alignment between when you feel like your purpose and your passion are aligned with what you're actually doing and feeling daily. I think that's when everything, like, I think it's, it is that alignment of if what you say you care about is what you're actually working on and what you're working on, you know, if, if, it, if that's what you're, if that cycle is really running well, that's, I think, when you 
what real wellness is, right? Like we could say things about health and green juice and meditation and stuff till the cows come home. There's a million things you can do under the bucket of wellness, but I think it's really about finding that alignment within yourself around what you spend your time and energy doing and thinking about and what, and, and if that's actually what you're doing. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing just all your advice on all of those topics. Um, if you want, I'd love to give you like a moment to scroll through all the comments. There have been lovely comments. Just so excited that, um, you know, you're kind of sharing the behind the scenes and, and things about like wellness, mental health, things like that. And I guess before I close the conversation, I just wanted to ask if you had any closing comments on any of the topics, um, if you wanted to share like how people can find you and follow you and follow your growth and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people want to hear more in general, uh, I'm Kieran Sinha, as you can see on Instagram. So feel free to follow. I do try to kind of microblog about my experience as an entrepreneur or my daily habits and productivity and things I've learned along the way. But honestly, if anyone out there is struggling with wellness or mental health or bullying or anything, absolutely know that kind of this too shall pass and that you'll actually be better off for it. Like one day you will look back and, and honestly, I feel grateful. I feel grateful for, for what those people did and said and all of those things because I'm in a great place now and they helped me get here. So one day. <laughs> one, day. <laughs> one day. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for your time and just being on. I'm so grateful for your time <laughs> and that, um, yeah, you took the time out to speak to um, so many like young folks in STEM who are so inspired by you. Um, so with that, I'll be finishing the live and posting it so that everyone can view it and you can share it as well. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership Equity and Wellness Pod with Ricky Roy. You can find me at Ricky Roy on Instagram and Ricky underscore Roy at TikTok and learn more about me at RickyRoy.com.